So good to have you all this morning, the first Sunday of 2018. Uh, how many people got to watch us last week? <laughs> I'm so glad that you, uh, you, if you hope, I'm glad you got the message to let you know we weren't going to have service, but, um, but thank you if you watched online and, and, and gave online. Um, and I'm so glad that we have the ability with technology to be able to still have service, even though it was icy, you know, and, uh, but we had an awesome time and, and Annette and I, we enjoyed ourselves, uh, tag teaming and, and, and so this morning, um, the Lord told us also this Sunday to tag team as well. We're going to do the first two Sundays in a row. And so, and so I want to, before, before I release Annette to, uh, share with what's on her heart, uh, I'm going to read the prophetic word because I, I believe that we constantly need to continue to, you know, renew our minds or, or be, be expectant, be expectant for really what God desires, because this is a word coming from our founding pastor. So as a church is what we're standing on, not to see it as a church, but seeing it in your in, in individual lives. Amen. And so let's read it. Uh, 2018 days of glory, days of flourishing and days of abounding. Continue to preach, teach and emphasize the importance of faithfulness. It's still my plan for the faithful to flourish. If you will do this, then they will eventually get it. It's never been more important than right now for them to flourish in every area of their lives. These are indeed the days of my greater glory, says the Lord. And I will cause it to manifest for all who have remained faithful to me and faithful to my word. And I will cause them to flourish and to abound even as I have promised in my word. I will honor their loyalty to me by enabling them to overcome every attack of the evil one. And I will bring them into the greatest breakthroughs they've experienced thus far. Rest assured that I'm working in their behalf even now. And they shall triumph. And they shall be victorious. And all shall see that I'm still the God of the breakthrough. And I'm still the God that keeps covenant. So lift up your hands and lift up your voices and praise your God. The God who is like any other God. The God who blesses all who have been loyal and faith to him, says the Lord. Welcome my beautiful wife, Annette. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. I was sitting over there trying to get the courage to come up here. I love God. He's so personal. He's really personal. Um, And if y'all have ever heard me speak in girlfriends, um, you know that the Lord several years ago gave me a P message. And almost everything started with P's. Um, Everything that I talked about, it was about a a position, a a place that he's purchased and given us. So as I was standing over there, he said, tell them you're going to talk about out of a personal relationship, how I change your perspective about a permissible pebble. Okay. Out of my personal relationship with him, he changed my perspective about a permissible pebble. Okay, now that I've got you wondering, we're going to get there. Um, Last week, um, I shared about that the Lord had given me a word right before we left to go to um, Africa, to Kenya. And um, I... After reading it and, and meditating on it, I really just came to an understanding, and which, which is what you do after you meditate on something the Lord showed you in the Word. After a while, it becomes personal revelation. You, you kind of unfold it. And, and it is about days of glory. He said to me, make room for the harvest. Get out of the way. Amen. Amen. Make room for harvest. Get out of the way. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I wrote it down. And he said, pray and keep praying. And I knew it meant 
he was talking about renewing my thinking. He said, renew your thinking to mine so that you're always in the right place at the right time. Where you're ready to affect and make a difference and you're ready to be affected by my power and ability. Obedience. Obedience will put you in the perfect place. Obedience. And a personal relationship. Trusting him with what he's told you. Um, I pray this morning that our hearts are receptive. I pray this morning that our hearts are not hardened to the word. But we have hearts of flesh that respond, that react accordingly to what he's telling us this morning. Father, I thank you for eyes that see and ears that hear. But mostly, Father, I thank you for a heart that understands. A heart that longs to hear from their father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Um, this past week... Well, last week I was talking about how in Romans 12, it talks about renewing your thinking and renewing your mind and not being conformed and thinking the way the world thinks, but being changed or transformed into how God wants us to think, right? Being greater than what we already are, greater, always changing. And, you know, there's some things that we allow in our lives that we think, it's not so bad, you know, it's not doing anything. And I didn't realize that, but you know, the Lord had me go into, and I don't know why he had, now I, I do know, I do know why he had me there. Um, I want you to look at first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 10. I've been going through 1 Corinthians. <laughs> and if you've read it, it's, it's crazy what Paul had to put up with, right? It's like, these are the descendants of those that Moses had to deal with, apparently. The grumblers and complainers and comparing and judging. And, and um, so Paul is here. They're talking about um, spiritual food or food given to, the, to idols and... Listen to verse 23. He tells them, all things are legitimate, permissible, and we're, to free, and we're free to do anything we please. But not all things are helpful, expedient, or profitable. I, wrote, I underlined profitable because it's a P word. But no, not really. I didn't. I just happened to <laughs> underline that one. He said, all things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. And you know, as I was um, listening to the Lord, he was telling me, remove obstructions in your thinking that's clogging up your heart. Now, I know this time of year, we think about cleansing and clearing out and not just ourselves, but our houses. <laughs> but so he said, it's time for a cleanse. Release and let go of attitudes that give off an offensive odor, and are a result of unresolved offense in your heart. And I said last week, and I want to say it again, in Luke 17, 1, Jesus warned, he instructed the disciples and he told them, he warned them, he said, that there will be temptations and snares 
and traps. Can you see a trap coming? Not all the time. Otherwise, it would not be a trap. Got it? Okay. So, he's saying, Jesus is telling us, I need you to be aware that this is coming. There will be snares to catch you. You know, have you ever gotten caught on something? And there will be traps. You're not going to see them. But they're set up to entice you to sin. And let me ask you something. When is offense sin? When it's held on to. When it starts to take root in your heart. Where you're no longer able to think out of your heart. You're thinking out of here. And I wrote down, but I'm free to think anything and do anything. I'm under grace. All things are permissible. But is it profitable? Keeping a hurt hidden over time affects and permeates every area of your life. And it becomes who you are. Okay. Justin and I were talking. And I told him, I said, if you've seen things a certain way all your life, you think that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, um, if I had, obviously I have a glass of water here, but if there was like, you know, if I'd have put something in it and I'd have said to you, is this clear water? Without anything to compare or look at, you would go, yeah, that's clear. But yet I maybe had put some dirt in it or something to, he told a story one time about a pebble in his shoe. And that's what came up to me whenever I was thinking this. Let me tell you how this came out of. The Lord woke me up this past week and brought to my attention. And I love how he does this. He does this right as you're waking up, probably because I don't get my mind on anything else. So he's like, she's awake. Is she awake? Is she awake? And then he starts talking. But he brought to my attention somebody that I was actually upset with. I'm going to use that word because it's a nice word. It's just upset with them. And God knew that I was upset, and I knew that I was upset. And how did I know that I was upset? Because whenever I would see them on my feed, I would pass them by just quickly because I was upset. You know, and, and he was saying, yes, everything is permissible, but is it all profitable? Is it profitable? Do you want, and I thought, the word that came to my head was, just get by. And you can. You can just get by. He says, do you want to go through life just getting by? Or do you want to glorify? That got me out of bed. Permissible is getting by. But it won't glorify. That won't be harvest. That won't be harvest in my life. And Justin talked about I don't know why he kept a pebble in his shoe. And I don't know why we keep an offense in our hearts sometimes. But he had a pebble in his shoe. And sometimes we just get busy and we think, oh, it's just a pebble. I could just keep going. It's your perception. He wants to change your perception about that permissible pebble in your life that is not that big of a deal. Nobody can see it. It's just in my shoe. It's just whatever. But you know what? Your perception up here will affect here, which will cause you to do something or not do something. Because of my personal relationship with God, because my heart longs to please my Father, my perception over time of that person I was upset with was no longer comfortable to me. 
And I pray that this morning, whatever that permissible pebble is in your shoe, in your heart, you will no longer be comfortable with. Because it may be permissible, but I'm telling you it is not profitable. And I had to get up and and, um, I eventually talked to, I haven't talked to exactly that person, but I talked to a person and I apologized um, and, um, and, and I'm getting that right. But I was really brought back to what you get used to or accustomed to. And, and I know this is going to sound really deep, but I, I, I need to say this. What you have gotten used to or what you've gotten accustomed you will eventually kill or destroy you. Because there is one who desires harvest. He wants abundance and flourishing, and he wants his glory to be revealed in you. But also there is one who desires your destruction. Can I just tell you that? And it can start with a pebble. Because what happened was, he did leave it in there. (laughs) He left it in his shoe, and it got embedded in his foot. It hurt for a little bit, but after walking on it, It's no big deal. Um, Skin grew over it. And it became a part of him, just like what I just said. Hurts, offenses, past pains. After a while, just kind of get embedded inside your heart. It just becomes a part of you. No big deal. Skin grows over it. But yet, after a period of time, you know what happened? There was infection. There was infection. And he ended up having to go to the doctor and had to have surgery to get the pebble removed. Some of y'all are maybe in a place where that pebble may just be in your shoe this morning. That's fine. Take your shoe off. Let's get rid of it. Some of y'all are in a place this morning where maybe that pebble has been embedded. And you don't even realize that it's affected everything about you. And you wonder why you respond the way you do about those people that... And the minute you start thinking like that, those people in that place, you know, what happened then? It's like, what happened? Wait a minute. You can start to sense it. You know what? You may not even sense it anymore, but somebody's sensing it. Trust me, somebody is sensing it. They're going to go, you got a pebble in your shoe? You got to get rid of it. And I, and I really sense this morning, he wants to get us past that. He really does. In order to make room for his harvest, in order to make room for days of glory and days of flourishing and days of abounding. Because I'm going to tell you what, making room is not just about you, it's about others. And that's what Paul was telling them. He said, if it offends them to do it, don't do it. For crying out loud, just don't do it. He said, I become all things to all men, but for what? So there could benefit, so that they can come to know Christ. Amen? God's so good, and he's so merciful to us. And here's the other thing. I could have just gotten instruction, which is what I really, you know, we like to do that. Like, just God, tell me what not to do, and I won't do it. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Just tell me. But it really comes down to he wants to have a personal relationship with you. You know, it's not about rules because they were all about the rules. Circumcised, not circumcised. Eat that food, don't eat that food. Just tell us what to do, you know. And, and it's interesting because 
in 1 Corinthians 8, he tells them, first of all, I like what he says. I need you to listen and I need you to make up your mind about what I'm hearing, what you're hearing. Because he says that in verse 15 of chapter 10, he says, think over and make up your minds. You think about it. You need a personal revelation. You, you've got to get a personal revelation and that personal revelation doesn't come without having a personal relationship with him, okay? That's how that perspective is going to get changed about that pebble. Otherwise, it's just a pebble that's no big deal, okay? And a personal revelation will impel you. It'll compel you. It'll make you do something about it because you know the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is that you would glorify him, not just for the sake of glorifying him, but your life will be better so others' lives will be better because making room is not about you only. It's about others watching you. And he said to them, now about food offered to idols, of course we know that all of us possess knowledge concerning these matters. He said, but yet mere knowledge causes people to be puffed up, to bear themselves lawfully and be proud. But love Affection and goodwill and benevolence edifies and builds, builds. It thinks of others, not in comparison or judging. That's the, I, This is my words put in here. I wrote this down. Builds up, thinks of others, not in comparison or judging, but in love, causing you to grow. Now, let me read what it says here. Edifies and builds up and encourages one to grow to his full stature. You are not edified and built up and encouraged and in your full stature until you have affected somebody else. Because love, which is God, is about people. That's God's favorite word. He told me. He said, I have a favorite word that starts with a P too. And I'm like, what is it? He said, people. Others. But you know what? He also has a P word that he hates. And it's called pride. It's called pride. Because pride just thinks of self. And he said, I don't want you to just have mere knowledge. I don't want you to have just mere knowledge. But love. Affection and goodwill. I don't want you to just think about, I'm making it to heaven. Me and my God, we're getting there. Me and my pebble, we're all good. Because it's a permissible pebble, no big deal. But no. You're affecting others. You're affecting others. You are a product. You. I. I'm a product of somebody else's revelation, but I need to be a product of my personal revelation with him. But you're affecting others. Others are watching you, and that's what Paul was telling them. Sounds like a big responsibility. And it is. Um... I don't want to just be free to think and act and do how I want to. That's not why he set me free. That's not why he set me free. Um, there's a scripture in Galatians 4 or 5 that says that he purchased, <laughs> he purchased my freedom. So that I might be adopted and have sonship and be recognized as his. Recognized means to be seen, 
glorifying God the Father, reflecting his goodness and his power and his presence. Amen? We've been purchased. We are free. We are free. We're free from the law. Amen? That's what it says. To purchase the freedom of those, that would be us, who were subject to the law, that we might be adopted and have sonship and be recognized. I know when people look at me, they recognize me. You are, they do. They recognize me, especially if I'm down south. You're, you're La Lumbre's daughter. That must be you. How do they know that I'm La Lumbre's daughter? Because I look like him. But not necessarily, because see, we're adopted. But because sometimes I act like him. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they start to hear you talk, oh, yeah, or I know who your mother is. I recognize because I'm glorifying them. And we're to glorify him. Amen? To reflect his goodness. Reflect his goodness and his power and his presence. And in his presence, there's abounding. (laughs) And in his presence, there's flourishing. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, um, back in August, we were um, we went away to get direction for 2018, and one of the things we were were, I was in prayer, and the Lord said, uh, "For 2018, you need to get your uh, the mic in your wife's hands more." Amen. Amen. You know, and like even with last week, we didn't. I mean, we don't really know exactly what each other's sharing this morning. You know, um, but the whole idea is because this is what we're out for, because that's God's desire for his people. It's not to say, oh, that sounds good. It's catchy. It's cool. Yeah, no, no. This is God's desire since the beginning of time, abounding and flourishing and, and, and his glory, his manifested presence and manifested goodness and power in the earth. That's been his desire all along. And so, so when we talk about that, it's not just something that we're holding. No, this is God's desire. You know, and the very thing that that pebble in your shoe is the very thing that's going to limit those things in your life. It's going to it's going to bring limitations to your life. Go to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Verse one. It says, sing, O barren one. You who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who did not travail with child. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Now now think about this. Here, the prophet is speaking and and he refers to a a desolate, a, a barren one, a desolate woman. And said that this barren one will eventually be more than the other. You see, what can happen if you're not careful is you being desolate or you being barren, you allow that to mark the harvest the rest of your life. Whatever label's been placed on you or whatever someone's called you, whatever's happened to you, whatever, all of a sudden, because you've been a barren woman so long, that ends up marking the rest of your life. And because of that, in your thought process, you can't step into harvest. Now, we have to understand something here is God is referring to his people. He's not talking about an individual woman. He's talking about his people. 
He's talking about his people. And, and I love how, how he, he's interested, what Annette said, he's interested in people because this barren woman, it wasn't, a, it was to call her to no longer be barren any longer. God doesn't want you to be barren any longer, barren in your finances, barren in your marriage, barren uh, physically, barren emotionally. He doesn't want you to be bound and broken and continuing to go through these same cycles in life. So he goes to this woman and says, sing, O barren one, you who did not break forth, uh, you who did not hear, break forth into singing, cry aloud, you who did not travail with child. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife. Then the next verse says, enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. See, this barren woman, God is going to her and saying, look, you need to enlarge. What would go through a woman, just think of the mindset. Someone has been barren for so long. You want me to enlarge? You want me to stretch forth the curtains of my habit? You want me to, 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 to increase? I don't have a reason to increase. So what this woman being barren, what can happen is it is marking her. And he's saying, you know what? You got to enlarge, but I don't, I don't see anything growing. I don't see any changes happen. I don't see anything's getting better. I don't see any changes here, God. I don't see. So why should I enlarge? And says, you're going to break forth on the left hand and on the right and your seed. So what is I, what I hear the prophet saying to the barren woman? Don't look at where you are right now. Don't limit your future by where you've been because your past could be that pebble in the shoe. What someone did to you could be that pebble in the shoe. What someone said about you, what someone labeled you, what is, what's happening is going to keep you. Well, why, why should I enlarge? Who me? Why me? Why me? Who you want me to enlarge? And verse four says, Fear not. I love how, how, see, see, because he understood, God understood the, the, our mindset. God understands you. God understands when all of a sudden he comes to you with something that looks impossible. He comes to you with something that you couldn't imagine in yourself. He's coming to you something that you've never seen before or you've ever even really thought about before. So the first thing he says, you know, I want you to enlarge. I want you to break out on the left hand, on the right. And your seed, which you don't have any to begin with, is going to be mighty and it's going to it's going to reach the Gentiles. And so what happens is, is, is you get in this aspect of, okay, how's that going to happen? Fear. What does he say? Fear not. The word fear there is dread. But that's looking forward with anticipation with something negative. Now let's go through these. He tells her, fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. The word ashamed there is to not be disappointed or delayed. It says, neither be thou confounded. What does the word confounded mean? It means to be wounded by insults or to be humiliated. Then it says, for thou shalt not be put to shame. That word shame here means to blush. It means to hide yourself. For thou shalt forget the shame of your youth. 
Now get this here. God is speaking something. He's want, wanting for glory, wanting abounding, wanted flourishing and doesn't want this barren. He sees something different that this person doesn't see. He sees something different that you don't see. And immediately he says, fear not. Don't dread. Don't look forward with anticipation of something negative. Change your mindset. Making room, as Nett said last week, making room up here. Have, making room for harvest. You're going to have to make room. See, he's wanting harvest to happen in this woman's life. But you know what? She's going to have to make room and is going to have to do something with up here. So, so here the prophet through the Holy Spirit is saying, fear not. Don't dread this. Don't, don't be ashamed. You're, don't look at disappointment. Don't look at being delayed. Don't be confounded. Don't be humiliated. Don't, don't be, have, have shame on you. Don't try to hide yourself. This is, you will not forget that you shall forget the shame of your youth. What, what is he talking to her about here? You know what that means? It says, you're not even going to remember the emotions of the way it felt. You see, see, see God wants to reach into your life. You see, you, you, and what, what the Lord had in my heart and, and connected with Annette says, is, 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 is this pebble in the shoe? Is shame can be shame. Shame. And he tells this woman, he goes, you're not even going to remember the emotions that it was like when you were barren. I, I connect that to Psalms 126. It says, when he turned our captivity, we were like them that dreamed. Meaning when I was no longer captive, all of a sudden it was like it never happened to me. And then, the, the, then it keeps saying here, it says, and you shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. You'll not remember. That word remember there is to not recollect what it was like when you were in exile. The word widowhood, and you tell me you see that in the, in the Old Testament, it's a metaphor. And it means, it means those, it means, it means God's people when they were in exile, meaning you no longer had a husband. And here God is telling this woman, you're going to enlarge? See, shame, being confounded, being humiliated, and dread were going to be the biggest things that were going to hinder her future. But, but there's an answer. What's the answer to shame? What's the answer to shame? Let's keep reading. Verse 5. For thy maker is thy husband. For thy maker is thy husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Verse 6, for the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken, grieved in spirit, and heart sore, even a wife wooed and won in youth when she is latter refused and scorned, says your God. Verse 7, for a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion and mercy I will gather to you me again. In a little burst of wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with age enduring love and kindness, I will have compassion and mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So have I sworn that I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. Verse 10, for though the mountains shall depart and the hills be shaken and removed, yet my love and kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace and completeness be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. The answer to the pebble in the shoe, the answer to shame, the answer to the thought process is mercy. 
The answer, the answer for causing this year to be glorious, this year to be abounding, and this year to flourishing is realize you need to tap into his mercy. I, when, when, I hear, when I hear abounding and flourishing, I, I think of what God is speaking to this barren woman. You know what? You're going to be more. You're going to be greater than what you already are. You're going to be more than what you already are. But you know what? You've got to stop limiting him with shame and fear, dread, and allowing your past to control you. I know what shame feels like. I know what shame, I know what shame feels like personally. I know what it feels like to be humiliated. I know how the enemy works and, and belittling you and, and making nothing of you. I know how that feels. I know how, and we all know how that feels, but you know what? But God does not want us to live there because if we live there, it will keep us from stepping into everything he wants us to walk in. Mercy is the answer to shame. So, so if we, if we want to be flourishing and we want abounding and we want increase and we want to change the world around us, we need to make room for mercy. You need to get the, you know, as she talked about that, that cup with a glass, you need to, you need to uh, pour mercy in. So, so this shame no longer has effect in your life where, where the emotions of shame no longer control you. The things that came with what, whatever you've been going through, whatever you, you, you have faced the last five, 10, 20 years is no longer a hindrance in your life. The answer to wherever you are is mercy. The answer to shame is mercy. The answer to humiliation is mercy. The answer to him fulfilling everything he promised you is mercy. Let me read in, let's go to uh, Lamentations. Lamentations. Three. Verse 17. Prophet writing here in Lamentations and in verse 17 it says, Thou hast removed my soul far from peace. And he goes, I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. That just means bitterness. Meaning because of what I've gone through, I'm bitter. Because of what I faced, I'm bitter. Verse 20, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Verse 21, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have I hope. Meaning even though I've seen all these things. But when I recall to my mind, I have hope. It is Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. It's because his passions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeks him. The answer to shame is mercy. Mercy. And see, a lot of times, like Annette said, it's kind of like, it's kind of like those things that you don't really think about. It's kind of like in the back of your mind and you don't even know that shame's controlling you. But how come you won't go there anymore? How come you don't do that? How come you don't revisit those things? Why? Because some, somewhere in the back of your mind, you made, you, you kind of said, no, I don't want any part of that. And the next thing you know, you make that become God's voice and it's not God's voice. Just because you don't want to let him come in and push all the negative things out. See, we have to make room for everything he wants to do in our lives. Shame. 
Shame. David said in Psalms 5 or 7, he goes, you know, the world does that. He says, but for me, I'll return to the, your house of mercies. Hallelujah. I'll return to the house of mercy where your mercies are. They do that. But, you know, for me, I come to the house where I find your tender mercies. You know, it, we have to pursue his mercy. Don't try to per- pursue perfection in your life. Pursue mercy. Don't try to pursue trying to do everything right. Pursue mercy. Pursue mercy. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. Says that we have a merciful high priest. A merciful high priest. See we have to disconnect from shame. And connect with mercy. Disconnect from shame. So we can connect with mercy. Mercies are new every morning. Don't let shame. The humiliation. To keep you. From being the one that's supposed to be greater. We have a merciful high priest. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you hath he quickened, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit now that worketh in the children of disobedience. Hallelujah. Among whom also we had our conversations in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, when you live according to the lust of your flesh, when you live according to the course of the rest of the world, that's living that lifestyle will produce shame in your life. It produces shame. There's, there's no, it's not a... To follow the enemy's ways will never produce fruitful living, fruitful emotions in your life. But it says that you were dead in your trespasses. Hallelujah. But verse four says, but God who is rich in mercy. But God who is rich in mercy. You see, the answer to the lust of this world, the answer to the conversations of the world, the answer to everything that you deal with in the world, the answer to, to your faults and your failures is realizing that God is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Allow him to pour his mercy into your life this morning and deliver you from shame. Allow him to pour his mercy into your heart to deliver you from the failures of your past. Allow him to pour mercy in. This first Sunday of 2018, allow mercy to to shine down on you. Allow mercy to rise up out of your heart. Allow mercy to overflow in your heart and into where it affects your mind. See, you could be sitting there this morning and you hear what I'm saying and you know, and, and, and you're hearing it in your heart, but in your head, you're like, well, my life hasn't changed. Well, how's this going to work out? They let me down. This person let me down. I've let myself down. And so you can be hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, but not receiving 
what the word is saying. Receive mercy. It's the answer to shame. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 15. Jesus is our is a merciful high priest. Jesus is mercy. I'm going to read John 15, but I, where, where it talks about him, I'm going to put the word mercy. And just let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. Just, just things, just open your heart and open your mind as Annette prayed before she started. I'm telling you, this isn't just about you, but this is about your, this is about your children. This is about the, this, this community. It's about everyone that you're called to affect. Allow mercy to, to go off on the inside of your heart. Hallelujah. He is an age enduring love for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 3. Now you are clean through the word that mercy has spoken unto you. Abide in mercy, and mercy will abide in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in mercy. No more can you except you abide in mercy. Mercy is the vine, and you are the branches. He that abides in mercy, and mercy in him, the same brings forth much fruit, flourishing and abounding. For without mercy... You can do nothing. If a man abides not in mercy, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them to the fire and they are burned. You see, it's not God that gathers them and casts them to the fire. It's men. what, What men or what people in this world are you allowing to destroy your life? What things are you allowing to destroy your life? It's not God because it says if we abide in mercy, we'll bear much fruit. But it says if we don't abide in him, what happens is this world system will gather you for itself. Hallelujah. If you abide in mercy and mercy's words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is the father of mercy glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be mercy's disciples. As the father of mercy has loved me as mercy, so has mercy loved you. Continue, hallelujah, in mercy's love. Hallelujah. If you keep mercy's commandments, you shall abide in mercy's love. Even as mercy has kept the father of mercy's commandments and abide in the mercy's love. These things has mercy spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is mercy's commandment that you love one another as mercy has loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. See, this mercy is vertical and it's horizontal. It's a mercy that we receive to change us. To where mercy is released to change them. But you know what? You'll always be a barren person. If you don't realize it's time to enlarge. And don't let shame keep you in there any longer. Because you're called 
for amazing things. And mercy is the answer to abundance in your life. Go to 1 Peter and I'll close with this. 1 Peter. May pick up on this next week. 1 Peter. Mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Disconnect from shame and connect with mercy. Hallelujah. Connect with mercy and allow mercy to heal your heart. Allow mercy to paint a new picture on your heart. Allow mercy to to resurrect dreams. Allow mercy to heal your marriage. Allow mercy. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says, and the Amplified says, Come to him. You say, come to mercy then. Living stone which men tried and threw away, but which is chosen and precious in God's sight. Come and like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. For thus it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen precious chief cornerstone and he mercy. Hallelujah. And he who sorry, he who believes in mercy. Who adheres to and trusts in and relies on mercy shall never be disappointed or put to shame. Let me read that again. For thus it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen, honored, precious, chief cornerstone. Man. Uh, What is a cornerstone? It's what you build your life on. It's what you build. It's the most important brick of a foundation. It's the most important part of a foundation. And I will encourage you today, it's the most important part of your life. Jesus is a merciful high priest. And here it talks about that I'm laying in Zion a chosen, precious, chief cornerstone. And he who believes in him, who believes in the cornerstone, who believes in mercy, who adheres to trust and relies on him, shall never, shall never be disappointed or put to shame. I don't know about you, but I don't want shame to control my life any longer. I don't want a pebble to affect my life any longer. I don't want offense to affect my life any longer. I don't want the decisions of my past to affect me any longer. Why? Because Jesus is a merciful high priest and we have a precious, we have a precious chief, the most important cornerstone. And if we believe that Jesus is mercy, it says if we believe in him, it said that we would never be disappointed or put to shame. Never. Be disappointed or put to shame. Allow the revelation of that to permeate your heart as we begin this year. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Shame comes in so many different forms. I know people today that won't step foot in church because of shame. I know people that won't, won't talk to family members because of shame. 
And on the outside, yeah, everything looks great. Even they, sitting in church and, 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 and yet, and yet even saying amen, but yet, yet deep in their heart, there is, there is a blockage. Deep in the heart, there is a hindrance. And the answer to every hindrance is mercy. It's mercy. Thank you, Father. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you for mercy. Hallelujah. His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just wanted to declare this over you before I go forward. Just heard this in my heart. Sing people to people of heritage of faith. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who did not, you have not flourished. But you realize, people of heritage of faith, that you are more and you are greater than what you've ever been. So this morning, enlarge the place of your tent. This morning, let it stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy states, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles. Hallelujah. But from this day forward, fear not. This day forward, don't be ashamed. This day forward, don't be confounded. This day forward, you shall not be put to shame. For you shall, from this day forward, forget the shame of the past. And you will not remember the bondage that you were in before. Why? Because God, your maker, the follower of mercy, The father, hallelujah, the father of mercy is your husband. And I declare that his love and kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall his covenant of peace and completeness be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mercy. Mercy.